0: hello hello beautiful human and welcome back to the embodied body or if this is your first time here welcome thank you for your curiosity i'm your host emily blackwell i'm a chicago-based yoga instructor women's embodiment coach spiritual teacher, and newly claimed breathwork facilitator, and I am so grateful for you and your presence. I say this pretty much every episode, but truly, if it wasn't for your presence, your time and attention, I don't know what purpose this podcast would serve. Uh, It means so much to me that you're here, that you're willing to listen and to learn and with that being said if anything in this episode or any episode of this podcast inspires you motivates you strikes a chord or triggers any sort of emotion please know that i want to hear about it it is an honor to be here and to share with you and i love hearing from you so reach out to me send me a message on instagram my right, emily blackwell yoga if you're not on the gram hit me up via email, Yoga at gmail.com, or find another way, give me a Google. I'm very findable, (laughs) searchable. (laughs) Um, Something to note about this podcast, it's very candid. I try to do minimal editing unless I have a thousand ums in an episode, which I'm working on. But The purpose of me having this podcast is to share authentically the things that inspire me, that motivate me, and that I believe will do the same for you. So um, yeah, it's real, it's raw, it's authentic, and I'm looking forward to sharing this episode and future episodes with you. So let's dive in. It's kind of hard to believe that I'm turning 30 in one week. This podcast is scheduled to be released on my birthday, so if you're listening on March 26th, it's my 30th birthday, and I'm currently in Guatemala, hopefully unplugged from all things technology and regular everyday life. I mentioned in an email recently about having feeling a certain type of way when I've been telling people like, hey, I'm about to be 30, and they go, oh my god, you're such a baby. Um... P.S. If you're not on my newsletter yet, you totally should be. I tend to get a lot deeper there than I do on social media here too. Um, but I usually share a lot more personal details and lots of good stuff on there. So if you're interested, there's the link in the show notes for you to subscribe. Anyway, um, that statement like really irks me and I'm going to explain why. So if you're like me and you've lived a thousand lives in a very short period of time, you may understand why I feel super unseen by that comment. I understand that most people are really trying to be nice and trying to make me feel, quote, like better about turning 30 as if that's necessary. (laughs) But I suppose for some, it might be a struggle to accept aging. But for me, it's honestly super exciting. And I feel like, turning 30, everything feels a lot more solid and steady. Um, I definitely feel like the most grounded I ever have in my life and I'm super grateful for that. And I also feel like everything at this point in my life like sort of makes sense now. Um, If you don't know me, I have a really long story and I'm going to share it today and um, I'm both like excited and also really nervous to get really open about it but for me like where i am in my life now i feel like i have a pretty solid understanding of why things have unfolded for me the way that they have for the most part and how my story has played a role in how i show up today because that's truly what it is for all of us like our stories have shaped us and being conscious of that which has happened to us is truly the path the ultimate pathway to healing and for me, the ultimate pathway to self-love and unconditional self-love. So I think it was last month in February when the 10-year challenge was trending again on Facebook and Instagram again. And though I feel like I, I really wanted to jump on the bandwagon and I like started writing a post about it and I started reflecting and I was just thinking like, holy fuck, like when I was 20, like I can't even... I, just, I can't even believe where I was back then. Um, but I decided not to do it and to save it for now because I knew that I was turning 30 and entering a whole new decade of my life. So I'll be interested to listen back to this podcast in 10 years when I'm turning 40 and see how things have changed. So my intention for this episode is to candidly and authentically share my story and my life leading up until now so that you can get like a better understanding of who i am where i come from and why i do what i do so i think that um when you know i i'm very very passionate about encouraging everybody who you know walks in my path uh, students clients friends, partners, my family members to like understand that we are, are we are absolutely without a doubt a thousand percent walking miracles. Our lives are, have been long, they're full of, they've been full of pain, they've been full of pleasure, they've We've been sick many times, right? We've been hurt many times and our bodies continue to heal and continue to rejuvenate and revitalize us. And it is the most powerful realization that I've really ever had. And, um, you know, sometimes I feel like when I'm teaching or speaking to clients that it can come off as something like kind of preachy and just being like, feel gratitude for your body. And maybe that's my own personal, like, whatever with that, but, um, but this is why, this is why, what I'm about to share with you. So this is somewhat like an abridged memoir, because I'm sure that I'm going to forget details. And honestly, there's a really big potential that I'll come back to this somewhere in the future and have a whole new perspective on it, right? As I continue to heal and uh, uncover and just get to know myself more and more and more, because you know, getting to know ourselves is a lifelong journey. But for now, this is where I am. And truly, this is my journey to embodiment. So I'll start by saying that if it weren't for the embodiment practices and aspects of yoga, breath work, tantra, coaching, and somatic therapy that I definitely wouldn't feel as safe and confident to share as vulnerably as I do here on my podcast in the way that I write in what I share um, digitally virtually and in person and I try to show up authentically every day in order to just inspire others to do the same because like I said before we're all just truly miracles So these are the practices that have really uh, helped me become conscious of how in times past I've harmed myself with attachment to identities, with toxic behavior patterns built on negative self-beliefs and harmful self-talk. And I've held myself back with years of self-sabotage and how I've been able to alchemize it all you know, and to empower myself to heal each layer of who I am in every single fiber of my being. I'm working on it every day, but I've, I've done a lot of work and I'm really proud of myself and I'm turning 30. So I have the right. <laughs> I feel like I feel super empowered to just be like, fuck yeah, this is where I am. These are the practices that have Provided me the opportunity to allow myself to see myself and to love myself, not regardless of where I've been, but because of where I've been and to see that no part of my journey has happened by accident and that it has all been a part of the divine plan that the universe, God, or source has for me. So I'll make a disclaimer before I get into it that I don't believe that anyone who has actually played a role in my story is at fault or deserving of punishment or bashing because I believe deeply in my heart that we all do the best that we can when we are conscious of our choices and the impact that they have. I also know that the sad truth is that hurt people hurt people, whether consciously or unconsciously, and that, like Maya Angelou said, when we know better, we do better. I've done a lot of work on releasing resentment and anger at all those involved in my life. And I've not not yet mastered it, but I'm definitely working on it. This is the success and the happiness that you see in me is not something that has come easily. I think that a lot of people um can look right from the outside looking in and like I mentioned earlier and just be like okay yes, yeah, so like gratitude for our bodies gratitude for our journeys like blah 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 right but like truly like what I'm about to share with you you're really gonna understand why I am so passionate about just reminding each human that like we are all deserving of happiness and success and we can all have it and that we're all truly miraculous and living, breathing, incredible machines. So from the outside looking in or back, you could look back on my life and wonder like what all the fuss is, right? From the outside looking in, my childhood did not look terrible, right? Um, we weren't like incredibly poor. that We were very like low class when I was growing up in my younger younger years um, but you know like of course you could say a lot of people had it worse but I think I saw I think it was a quote that I saw yesterday or today and I'm actually going to pull it up really quick because it was it really resonated with me and and I've been wanting to share my story for a while so I saved it it's um, by Whitney Goodman, and her handle is at sit with wit. And she said, you do not know someone's lived experience better than they do. You do not know what it's like to be in their body. You do not know what it's like to be in their head. And You can go through the same thing and experience it in a completely different way. And that is absolutely true. Think about that, a lot with like my experience as a child versus those of my sisters, we all had very different experiences, and that's the thing about our journeys, right? It's like no one knows what's really going on inside or how things have impacted you, um, except for maybe your therapist. In my case, my beloved partner who. Has been who's become my my best friend and my greatest support and the one person I can tell literally anything and everything to. Um, are your most trusted friends and confidants? Um, one of the things that I always say to those who applaud me for my vulnerability is that I keep it real to heal. Now this is my story. Thank you for being here. Let's go on a little journey. So in light of the 10-year challenge, we'll start 10 years back and then we'll move backwards a little bit more so you can have an understanding of why things have unfolded for me and and how they have. So let's do some time traveling, yeah? So 10 years ago in 2012, I was 20 years old and I was about to have the epiphany that saved my life. So in 2012, I was two years out of high school. I was 20 years old, and I was dancing, stripping, and escorting between Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Greensboro, North Carolina. I was addicted to Xanax, Klonopin, cocaine, tobacco, alcohol, and pretty much anything that I could get my hands on. It was at this point in my journey when I started to dabble with opiates, which I'm so grateful I did not get too far into before I had this epiphany. But I do remember uh, one instance I had was at the club dancing and uh, we had all made a trip to the bathroom and one of the girls who actually ended up ODing and dying, like a year after I stopped dancing had given me something. I don't even remember what it was, but it was an opiate. Um, and I was tapping out. I was living about 20, 30 minutes away from the club at that point. I had to leave early cause I was so fucked up that I was, and I was like driving down the interstate. Um, and I don't remember a lot of that time in my life because of the, amount of drugs that I was on, but I do remember some flashes and that's what you're going to get. But I was driving down the highway and I was literally slapping myself in the face to keep myself awake so that I could get home. So I'm not sure how I, like I said, I'm not sure how I remember this. Um, but because like for the majority of that time um so i was like heavily addicted to pills and all, all of these things for two years and i was dancing and escorting um for two years between 2010 and 2012. um and my memory is almost completely blacked out from those from those years like i it's kind of it's kind of scary sometimes but Um, I think that that is, I know that that's one of the things that like are with the way the ways that our brain protects us from experiencing pain and living through pain over and over again is by blocking things out. I mean that, and also I was literally on a chemical cocktail of drugs for two years. Um, And honestly more than that, but it was really bad during those two years. So I still get like flashbacks and Luckily nothing ever stays for too long and now I have the tools that I need right and that I can use to help myself through it and I also have gratitude you know so that's huge and I have love for myself and compassion and forgiveness and those are those are huge <laughs> and I had a feeling that I would get slightly emotional during this podcast because this is I am you know, going back in history. And so really, in dark times, really dark times, not the darkest. I mean, definitely dark. I've had some intense times after overcoming addiction too, like being like emotionally addicted to pain and, and those kinds of things. But anyway, um, so 10 year, 10 (laughs) year challenge, let's go. Um, I was dancing down at gold club in Myrtle Beach. And I remember the first time that I went down there, I was living in Greensboro and I went down there with some friends and we made like bankroll the first night. It was during golf season. And I was like, hell yeah, this is what's up. <laughs> like, let's go make money. Um, before, before I was dancing, actually, I was escorting. And, um, honestly, I'm like, I, I got into I got into pills, like, really early um, in, like, high school, and and it just, it never, I, I never caught myself. My parents um, were pretty either oblivious or they didn't really want to deal with it. Um, we lived in a nice neighborhood. Like, we lived, I went to a pretty decent school, and we lived in a small town, and there wasn't much else to do except for to get fucked up. Um, and it just went way downhill I don't know if I hit it well or what happened um, I mean to be fair my parents were going through divorce when I when I started getting really bad into it and um, my dad isn't an, um, an addict himself and he's he's doing great now but um, at that time when my mom left he got back into... Um, pain pills and alcohol and we were very like self reliant on each other. Like we knew that we were both like addicted to shit and very like what's the word? Um we just enabling. Enabling, that's the word. Um so yeah, and I guess like I was working in that because my memory is like not exactly clear about how everything unfolded, how I got into escorting and stripping um, off the gates. Um, I think I knew that like some girls in my um, friend group at the time had like sugar daddies. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's sick. I don't have to do quote work, right. To make a fuck ton of money. And I mean, whatever. Right. I was super doped up and, I had zero self worth, and that's not to say that like people who you know do sex work now, um, like nothing against that, right? Like that can be really empowering for many people, uh, but it wasn't for me at that time. I was young; I had no idea what I was doing, um, and it's definitely it definitely took a toll um, on me. And I, and honestly, there's like a route to whole, like why I even went down this rabbit hole in the beginning, um, in the first place rather, should I say? Um, but I'll get to that later. So 10 years ago I was dancing in Myrtle beach and I remember, um, and all this is to just to remind you, like, you never know what somebody's story is, you know, you just don't. Um, so like, telling people, "Oh, like you're such a baby." Like, "Thanks, but no thanks." <laughs> um, so every night before I would go dancing, I my like evening routine before work would be to eat anywhere from 1 to 2 Xanax bars and down something either a 12 or a 24 pack of beer. Like, I can't even imagine these like now today drinking that much. Like, I I don't really drink anymore. Almost never. Um just because I'm like a super sensitive to it, not because I have anything against it, but just fuck, dude. I cannot imagine the hangover. But I I guess like when you're young, you're super resilient and I guess when you're on a fuck ton of drugs too, you don't even notice or care. Um, but yeah, I would drink like, I would take a bunch of Xanax. I would drink a 12, 24 pack of beer as I was getting ready. Um, I would drive to the club for my apartment after all of that. And then before I would go into the club, I would do a couple lines of Coke that I had gotten in exchange for doing escort work. <laughs> <sighs> so crazy, right? Like, I would walk into the club with my dancing clothes in my bag. And I like, remember this, like this, I remember really vividly, you know, I would head into the locker room check in with my house moms. There was a mom, a house mom, um, can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes and they take care of all the girls who are dancing. Um, they make sure that they have everything they need, like everything that they need. Um, honestly I wonder where she is these days sometimes like, what does that feel like to be in charge of dancers? Like, I don't know. Um, but I went by the name, my my alias was Allie from Alamance because I come from Alamance County, North Carolina, which is wild to me. And during my sets, I would dance to music like Rob Zombie and Marilyn Monroe or Marilyn Manson. I had like a very grungy Amy Winehouse kind of vibe going for me. I wasn't even old enough to drink, but of course within those walls like it didn't even matter. Um, so like the drunker I get, the got, the looser I'd become and this would make the club more money. I drink so many red Bulls and vodkas that I'm surprised I didn't destroy my body. Again, this is why when I talk about us being miracles is why I fucking mean it. Um, to this day, I cannot stand the smell of a Red Bull. I can literally smell them like from a mile away. And if you are listening to this, I ask you to please never, ever, ever bring one around me. They are terrible for you and they give me terrible memories and terrible smells all the way around. Um, yeah, it that's that's where I was 10 years ago. Um, I honestly wish I had saved all the cash that I made those days because I'd be rich as fuck. <laughs> not to say I'm not abundant now, but just thinking like, wow, <laughs> like, you know, like this kind of work can be very lucrative and it's just too bad that it went all up my nose <laughs> and down the drain and pills. Um, honestly, there were so many times during this, this time frame that I woke up. I blacked out and I woke up in places where I had no idea how I'd gotten there. I had no idea who I was with, who the people I was around. And like, I just, I I had no idea what the fuck had happened to me during those times. I'm just, and this is why, this is why I'm so grateful to be alive, to make it through all of that, to put my body through all of those chemical cocktails and, come out on the other side and be literally thriving like today my health is one of my top priorities it is my top priority to take care of myself and this is why this is exactly why um so this was my life for about two years and the the crazy part is is that what it pulled me out of this whole thing and like I mentioned I I was not only dancing, but I was doing some really disempowering work, um, and, you know, sex in exchange for money and, and drugs. And wow, like I'm, I'm nervous to share this, but I'm, I'm also not because yeah, this is, this is what makes me, me. Um, but crazy enough, what had pulled pulled me out of this was that I had started seeing this DJ and he wasn't calling me back. Like I was hitting him up and he wasn't calling me back. And this was in Myrtle Beach. And I remember uh, driving down the highway, just like I had a moment where I was like, yo, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I had that thought. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, There's gotta be more. There's got to be more than this. So like right away, I actually called my dad who at the time had overcome his problems with pills and alcohol. And I asked him if I could move home. And he was like, yeah, please. Like, of course, you know, like, I had told them that I was cocktail waitressing, but they weren't stupid, you know, again, but I do think that they avoided the truth or just played dumb. Um, But yeah, at that point he had gotten like sober and I had a safe place to return home to. So like I mentioned earlier, I actually developed um, my addictions to cigarettes and pills and alcohol. By the time I was sixteen, so my parents were getting divorced, and like had little supervision. I just kind of went wherever and did whatever I wanted. One particular friend of mine and I would steal Xanax from her mom's purse, and then we'd go steal shit from stores and from people that we knew. Is terrible if you've ever been addicted to Xanax or no, you know, obviously like addicts and could just steal, 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 take, 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 um, not willing to work, you know, not willing to work for what you want. Um, it's truly a miracle that we never got caught by the police. Um, but we definitely ruined some friendships that way for sure. For sure and also like a part of my journey I'll just share has been like reaching out to people that I stole from at that time. This was, you know, many years, like several years ago. And I did a lot of this, I would reach out to some people that I stole from during those times, um, to apologize, you know, just as a part of like my karmic duty and people are so kind, you know, like so forgiving. And I'm often like, much more forgiving than we are to ourselves, you know? Um, But yeah, grateful for that, so. You know, um, when, when my, like I mentioned earlier, when my mom left, my dad, you know, had returned to some bad habits and we like relied on each other, very codependent on one another in very unhealthy ways. And I really, even before that i really don't ever feel like i got the supervision that i needed as a child or a teen um i feel like there was definitely some stepping in that parents need to do or should my parents should have done um and really just like taking me by the fucking shoulders and or neck and like shaking me grounded me anything um kept me close under their supervision but You know, I was apparently out of control. (laughs) I believe it. I totally believe it. But there's still like a certain um, level of supervision that was needed that I didn't get. And honestly, that um, has played a big role in the the parts of me that I've needed to heal. Um, I'm going to get there. Um, but yeah, so they were either like oblivious, didn't want to deal with it. And, um, this is a lot of the inner child work that I've been doing over the past year, you know, like feeling important, feeling loved, feeling taken care of, feeling like enough. Uh, it's been a, it's been a challenging journey, right? To say the least. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely impacted the way that I've showed up in my friendships and my relationships. And all I can say is thank God for healing. So um, when I was, you know, when my parents got divorced, I kind of went off the rails and um, I didn't, like I said, I just didn't really get that, hey, you're still a kid. And like, we are going to take over and we're going to take care of you. And my family, I mean, I was a nasty kid, you know, at this point, I was just very doped up and I felt like I was abandoned, you know, and that that's played a huge role in, in my healing journey. Um. Anyway, so I moved home and I, um, my mom at the time was doing bikini competitions. She got really into the gym and she was doing great. She was loving it. And I really needed something. I really needed something to, to help me get my life on track. And she got me a a three month membership to the gym. And I I mean, truly, like I had put on a ton of unhealthy weight um, from all the nights of staying up all night, doing drugs, drinking beer, eating late. And so I started to go to the gym and I would do like the elliptical for like 30 minutes every day. Um, And that was great. I mean, it's so empowering. Um, And during that time, I had met a guy who, through mutual friends, who was Like super fit. Like he was like jacked really into weightlifting. Um, and he, we ended up starting, we ended up dating and, uh, he was, he taught me everything that he knew about how to be fit, like both physically and financially. It was really, really responsible, um, awesome guy. And he really helped me turn my life around. And I'm super grateful for that relationship for sure. Um, he taught me how to like build my credit and um, just take care of my body and why that was important. And he helped me to cultivate a true sense of self-worth. You know, when I started going to the gym and, you know, cultivating healthy habits, I started releasing those quote friends, right. Who were either still dabbling in drugs or like some of them were like making fun of me for getting healthy. And you know, he was like, yeah, like that's not right. Like you deserve like good people in your life. And yeah, it was it was so empowering. Um, I had no idea what boundaries were at that point, but I was setting them. Um, so it was really cool. Like at first I got like super into it. I was drinking protein shakes, I was eating grilled chicken, right? Like doing all the things that like fit people did. Um, and it was great. Uh, And then it started to become toxic too. So like, remember, like as with somebody with an addictive personality, I tend to go all in with things and I adopted this like get fit or die trying mindset and it took over like in a really harmful way. So this is where about my, um, my disordered eating developed. I started counting calories, um, and I started compensating food with exercise. Um, obviously, I had been, you know, an addict. I had a reputation uh, in my hometown for just, you know, whatever you want to call me—a hoe, or slut, an addict a fuck up. And so this is like my chance at this point in time to like prove myself to my to myself and to everybody else. Um, I was never uh, skinny in high school or in uh, like middle school. Um, I always wanted to be, but, um, I wasn't. And at this point in time, I ended up getting like super ripped and like really tiny, like tiniest I've ever been. And I, lost all sense of self-love and unless i was the skinniest version of myself so you can imagine you know the the mind games that were going on at that time so during that relationship um which i'm really grateful for um there was also you know cons to it Uh, with a lifestyle like that my personality really took a 180 degree flip so it went from stripper to Susie Homemaker, and it worked for a while until it didn't. Somewhere along the way, I lost a sense of who I was, although like maybe I didn't even know who or what that was. I, I mean, I didn't, but I just knew that something was off and then I wanted more. I had always, uh, always, always um, really wanted to go to to travel and to go to Southern California and i just love the vibes i still do i still love the west coast vibes um so i decided i wanted to travel and see more of the world so i booked a solo trip to visit a friend that lived in san diego um at the time i was still in this relationship and um after i after the trip i came back with a newfound sense of self and adventure and i you know i loved the guy i was with and i was like hey like I can't stay in this in this town anymore. There's nothing here for me. Um let's move. Like let's go. And he wasn't into it. And so I was like, well, I we can't be together. Like I just I need to I need to make shifts. I need to make changes. Um I didn't move away right away, but um I knew that it was time to end that relationship, so um it was really hard though. It was a really hard breakup. It was my safety net and again just like he was the kind of that person that that brought me back to life and and helped me put my life on track um but i embarked on a new adventure i had empowered myself enough and i was i've always been very independent i'm an aries so naturally (laughs) naturally i can tend to take care of myself a lot and Um, I'm I'm grateful for that it can be kind of a toxic (laughs) quality sometimes a little too independent you know what I mean asking for help and all that stuff but um, it's served me really well over the years so Um, amidst my return back to my hometown I, I actually returned to college too um, and I ended up majoring in Spanish, because I always loved language, the vibrancy of Latin American culture, food, dancing, colors, et cetera, et cetera. So I was studying Spanish in college, and fast forward to 2016. So this was about four years of 2012. It was like October 2012 when I returned home after dancing, um, dated that guy for about three years. So 2015. And then in 2015, I moved out, got my own apartment, apartments. Um, and then I was studying and still working out, still doing the things. Um, but in 2016, I graduated and I, uh, was really good at speaking Spanish. Like I, I love speaking Spanish, um, but I had only taken classes in in school. And I was like, yeah, I want to do an immersion. I want to do something where I put myself into a Spanish speaking country and only have to speak Spanish speaking Spanish, (laughs) Spanish speaking Spanish, only speak Spanish for some time. So I found a work exchange at an eco farm in Costa Rica. And I got to tell you, I didn't know anything about Costa Rica. I had considered going to Colombia because I had some extended family over there. My aunt married a Colombian man and he had family over there. Um, But I just picked Costa Rica on a whim, legit on a whim. My sister and I were actually in London when I decided, when I picked the place that I was going to stay. And again, just like a decision that changed my life forever forever, forever, forever. So I worked in an eco-farm called Rancho Margot in Arenal, volcano um, or Arenal. So La Fortuna area, more like in a smaller town called El Castillo. And at the eco-farm, I studied my Spanish so hardcore. I was really big into index cards. And so I would like work with the maids and I would work in the kitchen. I would work in the garden. I taught English to young children. I would take my index cards with me everywhere. I went and be like, okay, for example, like with the maids, I'd be like, what is this thing called in Spanish? How do you say this in Spanish? I, the broom, the broom is la escoba. Okay, last scopa, okay, so what do I do with the broom? What's the verb? So I would learn the verb, you sweep, barrer, and then I'd be like, cool, and then I would conjugate the verb, and like my index cards, I still have all of them. And gosh, those were really good times, really good times. Um, But it was there that like my health journey took a holistic turn. So at the eco farm, we grew food from the garden and we would eat it. So we would plant it, watch it grow, take it to the kitchen, rinse it off, cook it, whatever, whatever, eat it. Um, And then that, that space also offered two yoga classes a day, which is where I took my first yoga class ever. Um, And it was in my first yoga class ever was the first time that I had ever landed in my body, like for real. And I remember I was in a child's pose. I don't remember what the teacher said, but she was reading something really beautiful or just sent something really mindful and I dropped in to myself for the first time in my life and it was like healing like healing started happening right there and I'm getting chills thinking about it because I can remember so vividly just thinking to myself like wow I I can love myself like I can move my body in ways that feel good because at that point I was still doing the calorie counting I was running you know way too much I was just over burning out my body constantly and when I went to Costa Rica it was like I didn't have the opportunity to really do that I was running and stuff like but it wasn't the same it was just the energy of the space is so much more like earthed and I mean naturally, right? Like it's so much there's so much nature there and just much more relaxed and like sleeping and go to bed early and the sun sets at like five over there. So um the people tend to go to bed earlier, wake up earlier. This is a very different lifestyle. Well oh, excuse me, than I always used to. Um but my life changed, you know, and at that moment when I was in child's pose i knew immediately that 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 this was exactly what i was meant to do exactly i didn't know how yet or what but i was like oh yoga (laughs) oh my gosh you know oh my gosh (laughs) that same teacher ended up um teaching me how to chant we we chanted um, what was it? nam Yoho renge kyo She was Buddhist. Um, and I don't remember exactly what it means, but I have, she actually wrote it out for me, uh, the, the chant and the meaning. And I have it framed actually in my yoga room where I'm sitting. It's just around the corner but she taught me how to chant. And so, you know, I love kirtan and chanting and making sounds and I love, love that myst- those mystical practices of yoga because of her, you know, because of that moment, that, that time that I decided to just take a leap of faith and travel. Um, so I, I was really just enlightened you know, at that point in time, like, wow, I could love myself and move my body at the same time. I could be free from counting calories and dieting and still be healthy, but in such a much more peaceful way. Um, We as volunteers, as I was doing, I was volunteering as a work exchange. We got three free meals a day. And so, yeah, it just went nuts. Like loving food just having just like really enjoying food again pizza um, arroz con leche like rice pudding just pancakes and all this stuff was made at the ranch It was delicious and at that same place during that same month i met um two really important people in my life one is my best friend Paige who now lives in Denver, but I I met her there. We ended up sharing a bunk bed for three weeks um, in Costa Rica at that time. And then it turns out she was actually from Indiana and had lived in Chicago. She went to the Art Institute and she had moved back. When I moved to Chicago back in 2017, she and I ended up getting an apartment together for six months, which was just so super, as she would say, very kismet love her. She's amazing. She, and she honestly taught me so much during that time of living together on just even how to love yourself even deeper and like radical self-acceptance, accepting our shadows. Uh, She taught me about Ayurveda. So, so, so much love and gratitude for her. The other person that I met during that time was my ex-husband. And it was great. You know, it was great to, to meet him, to be with him because, uh, he was so opposite of everything I had experienced before, before that. Um, the guy I was with before was like very, um, very physically fit, very all about gains, 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 like the gains. And, and my ex is like, no, chill, piramida. you know, much, very relaxed. And anyway, so I, uh, We fell in love like quickly, right? Like in lust, there's this foreigner, American girl, Costa Rican guy, um, instant fantasy world built in our heads. (laughs) So long story short, we, um, I fell in love with more so the adventure that this long distance and foreign relationship brought rather than falling in love with him. I mean, there was a lot of curiosity there, um, cute and inquisitive, you know, flirting and all that stuff. And, uh, we latched on quick though, and we made big decisions fast and yeah, that's that like <laughs> dodgy part of being an Aries it can be pretty impulsive sometimes. But, but I mean, honestly, like it's, I wouldn't, I don't regret it. You know, I don't regret anything, um, because of my pre- previous relationships, I'm a better, um, lover and partner and this person today. So anyways, we did the long distance thing for a while, even though I, I really, I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. We had a hard time understanding each other, even though both of us spoke, like I spoke Spanish, he spoke English, but there's nothing like, um, you know, communicating with, uh, somebody who speaks the same language as you just naturally. Um, and I knew it, I knew it wasn't right, but I was very attached to the fantasy future that we had constructed together. He was in tourism. I was in yoga. All right. So he was a tour guide at the place. I didn't mention that. So naturally we dreamed of hosting retreats together. Like as if, as if I couldn't do that on my own, which spoiler, spoiler alert, I am. We're going to Costa Rica next year in the winter. Stay tuned for that. Um, but to this day I am in love with that country and I cannot wait to take others there to experience the energy and the transformational powers that that land holds. It just, wow. It became like my, my second home. And honestly, like a huge part of my heart lives there. It, it makes me feel so connected to nature and so connected to myself. Um, but anyway, so fast forward a year, we ended up getting married in Chicago and he moved here shortly after that. And we honestly, we forced ourselves to stay in the relationship for way too long. And it re-triggered my eating disorder, like hardcore, um, uh, because I, it made me self-sabotage to like a motherfucker like because I knew my truth. I knew it was true, and I wasn't living it. I was lying to myself, even though I knew what was what I needed to do. Um, so why, like, why would I believe that I deserved anything other than the worst? You know, at that time, I had completed my teacher training, my yoga teacher training, because I did that as soon as I got back from Costa Rica the first time. Um, and I wanted so badly, so badly, I wanted to be a teacher. And I hadn't even subbed a class. It was, I I kept saying, I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that. I I remember telling people that I was a teacher and I I wasn't, I was lying to myself. I was lying to everybody else too. It was terrible. Um, It wasn't until I I asked him for a divorce and that we got separated that I began to finally show up for what I wanted. That was in 2019. So I, I, I endured that relationship for two years, but you know, again, like he wasn't a bad guy and he's not a bad guy. It was just not right for me. And I was in, I was in it for all the wrong reasons. And I admit that. And, um, yeah, I, at that time, like during that time, I had enrolled enrolled in a health coaching training program at IIN, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, um, because I changed, like, right, again, just, like, coming back from this, like, really transformational experience, how to live holistically, where the body, the the mind, and the spirit are all connected. And um, I finally started dabbling in coaching and teaching classes. Um, But... Again, like I remember like trying so hard to get clients, like health coaching clients, and I couldn't. Like I wasn't living my healthiest life because I was being dishonest with what I wanted and what I needed. So it was a struggle. Um, But anyways, so I, like I said, it wasn't until like, I asked him for a divorce and we got separated, that things really started to open up for me. So that was in the fall of 2019. He ended up leaving and went back to Costa Rica at that time. And I spent the fall and the winter of 2019, early 2020, alone and healing. And I started getting into embodiment practices like breath work, somatic therapy, ecstatic dance, And once again, I started to come into myself. I started to like reacquaint myself with my truth and with who I really wanted to be. And it was so liberating, so liberating that I started podcasting again because I had started this podcast when I started health coaching back in 2017, 2018, um, but then like what it was like once I decided to let go that like wasn't serving me, the whole world opened up and divine inspiration was flowing to me like a tidal wave. And at that time, I was unknowingly diving into the practices of tantric yoga. This is a term that I wouldn't actually, I didn't actually come in t- across until early 2021. And using, I was using the practices of breath, of movement, of sound, of silence as a means to connect more deeply to myself and to my truth. So we are really making some headway here. And I want to thank you again, just for being here and for listening. So we're at 2020. And right before the pandemic hit in 2020, I had returned to Costa Rica to attend a vision festival. And to say my last goodbye to my ex, um, it was during that festival, At that at that festival that I learned so many transformational and embodiment practices that really inspired me. And it was the catalyst that led me to become an embodiment coach and to turn all of my pain, like everything that you've learned today about me into my purpose and yeah, I was inspired so deeply by the teachers and the coaches who were leading classes and ceremonies and workshops at the festival, um, along with the digital nomads that I would see at surrounding coffee shops and restaurants, just like working from paradise. Getting to know them, getting to follow them, learning that they were coaches too, and just like making big impacts in people's lives and turning their pains into their purposes. What was super duper dope is that um, I was in this this past January of 2022, I made a trip back to Costa Rica to renew my relationship to the country on my own terms, you know, not married to a Costa Rican and just just for the woman that I am today. And it was during that trip that I got to work with several clients from my computer at that very same coffee shop that I had dreamt of working from two years ago or two years prior rather. It was legit dreams come true. And it was a very full circle moment for me I had a very big, I'm proud of myself moment while I was there. It was really epic. So there's one more lesson, big lesson that I learned from my divorce that I want to share. Well, two. I, like, by way of miracle, met my incredible partner, Tom, who many of you know, (laughs) in March 2020 over Instagram. So at this point, like my ex had been gone for uh, four months. Our relationship was like way over for a long time before he even left. Like we both knew what was up and it was during our relationship, my, my ex with my ex that I was manifesting, like what a real amazing partner would be for me. And like I said, he was a good guy. He wasn't right for me. Um, I would try to be really authentic and to be bright and vibrant, like just the person that I am, um, work, you know, try to manifest my ins- like what inspired me and what I wanted to do with my life. And anytime it would start to get really bright, he would shut me down and try to do my light or make me feel stupid or call me dumb, stupida or whatever. Um, So that whole time I was really like manifesting and thinking like, wow, what, what would a really good partner be for me? Like, what would the right kind of person be for me? They would make me feel seen. They would make me feel heard, make me feel loved, supported, light me up, inspire me. reflect my energy, my inspiration. And um, after I had returned back from Costa Rica and the pandemic started to settle in, I met Tom over Instagram. And the story is is really funny and I love telling it. So um, when I was with my ex, we were very unhappy and we had to win to a full moon jam here in Chicago. And at that full moon jam, it was probably like summer 2018. So summer 2018 at a full moon jam, they have drum circles. And I met this guy whose name was Thomas and he was playing the djembe and I loved the djembe and he was just giving me like eyes like we definitely like made an eye-to-eye connection and so i just went over to talk to him and he was like yeah my name is thomas i was like cool he was like and then my ex started to come like walk towards me i was like i gotta go and he was like do you and i was like yeah i gotta go (laughs) so um but i was curious so once we got home i got on facebook and i was searching for this guy thomas and I added on Facebook who I thought was Thomas turned out to be my partner, Tom, Tomcat, as some of you know him. And, um, it's crazy. I messaged him and I was like, Hey, I saw you play the trumpet. And I was like, Hey, by the way, do you happen to like play the djembe? And he never <laughs> responded. <laughs> Why would he? I was a random chick. I him to play the djembe. Anyway, totally forgot about him um, for a while until um, early pandemic when everything started to set in. He started popping up on my feed randomly. And he was, like, doing handstands and, like, playing the trumpet. And, you know, he has a variety show that he does the last Wednesday of every month, which I am DJing at this, this month, by the way. So if you're listening to this on March 26th, meet us there on the 30th. Um, I'm doing a DJ set there, but anyway, um, he took his variety show online because everybody would that everything that everybody was doing at that time they took virtually. And I like wrote a comment and I thought it was cool. I was like, Oh, this is dope. I'll try to catch it live next time. And he commented back and was like, yeah, cool. Like I wanted to get I've been wanting to get into one of your virtual classes as well. And I was like, oh, because like I was teaching virtual classes because everything had shut down. Nobody was teaching in person. And I was just kind of like, ooh, okay. Um, Nice. (laughs) I wasn't looking for anything serious at all because I was very much like a lone wolf at this point in time. I spent all my time working on my business, just trying to um, cultivate, you know, digital content and write um, right. Connective material. But, um, yeah, he started popping up on my feed. and my 28th birthday, which is almost exactly two years ago. Um, on the 26th, I decided to take a mushroom journey. Cause I was like, well, fuck the, the world is coming to an end. Like what the fuck else am I going to do? You know? Um, and also I like just wanted a, I needed a cleansing experience. Um, so I decided to get a bunch of mushrooms and I was actually on my cycle at that time. And one of my sacred rituals for when I'm menstruating is to make a homemade chocolate. That's just cacao butter, cacao powder, maple syrup, and sea salt. Um, but this time I made it, uh, made mushroom chocolates for myself. So I stayed at home. All day on my 28th birthday, ate a bunch of mushrooms, did a bunch of yoga, journaling. Um, this At the, this time, this was where my old um, brand embodied babe was born. And towards the end of my journey, uh, spirit, source, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, called to me and was like, hey, go message that that guy, that trumpet cutie as I say. So I did, I went and I, um, like floated over to my phone and I, I had met, sent Tom an Instagram message and I was like, Hey, you interest me. And he was like, you interest me too. And I was uh, tripping on shrimp. So I was like, (laughs) let's FaceTime. And he was like, okay, I can't tonight. I'm actually going out to dinner with my parents, um, tomorrow, like cool tomorrow. So turns out that they were going out to dinner for his mom's birthday. So his mom and I, Tom's mom and I share the same birthday. <laughs> and who, she's a magical woman, by the way. And his brother, his birthday is March 25th. And then his dad's birthday is March 28th. I was like, okay, this is crazy. Um, but right away, we, when we FaceTimed the next day, it was like, insta-love like just instant connection conversations were incredible right away he made me feel all the ways that i had always desired to feel by someone just seen heard loved he was present with me with the things that i say and i was just like whoa this is really amazing um so we facetime dated for like three weeks because at that point nobody was seeing each other and then we spent one month dating in person and this is this is a really big lesson that i'm going to share so we stayed in person for like a month and because i was going through separation and waiting for my divorce to be finalized i had created this idea in my head that um i what i didn't deserve love at that time and I left and I moved away. I moved to Asheville, North Carolina, uh, which is where one of my, my grandmother has a small cabin there, which um, it's like a vacation home. So I decided to go and live in Asheville for a bit. And I left, I left and, um, packed up all my stuff and I said my goodbyes and I, uh, yeah, I left. I left Chicago, and I was only there for a month. Um, because the moment that I left and got to Asheville, the moment that reality really set in that I had just left the love of my life and my entire community, my career, and everything that life gave to me and life had gifted to me here in Chicago, and. Um, I became deeply depressed and, um, what the fuck did I do? And, um, you know, the, the, the real thing that led me to leave were these, uh, traumas that I have had, um, cultivated over my, my childhood, over my, in my teens and my early adulthood, um that fear of abandonment and fear that I didn't deserve love, um, you know, because nobody was there for me when I was younger, my defense and protection mechanism was, is to leave a situation before I get hurt and be the lever, be the one that flees so that I could avoid all pain, which as we know, that's not possible. Pain is inevitable. The suffering is optional. I actually have that tattooed on my side. I got that tattooed when I was 18, not even knowing what the fuck I was about to go through. Right? Um, and it's just crazy. Like those are the, that in that moment, and, 2020 till June, June, 2020 is when my, my greatest traumas were exposed. Like I was going to, if I'm going to get hurt, like I better leave first. And so that started had me digging even deeper and deeper into my past. And it, it just, I came to realize that growing up I did not receive the the interest that i deserved um not so much from my from my mother but from my father um and again like people everybody has their own their own traumas and um, ways of doing things because of how they grew up or how they were treated or how they think family's supposed to be right. Not everybody is doing this shadow work, looking in. Um, but you know, my early childhood, I uh, my dad was emotionally unavailable um, after I turned like six or seven, and again, that's just a lot because of the things that he was going through. Like you know, his mom died, and um, his his childhood was very different and. But yeah, I um, wasn't, um didn't participate in my recreational events. So I, I never was picked up from school on time. Um, these kinds of things. And then of course, like moving up and on to my teen years when I was just partying and becoming heavily addicted to drugs without any supervision, like I needed them. I needed my parents during that time. And Again, like when we know better, we do better. I truly believe that. And I don't blame them because at this point I'm a conscious person and the healing is in my hands now. You know, um, when I, I think we know we become conscious of our trauma, if we are if we are, if we do believe that we deserve happiness, success, love, that we'll do the work that it takes to experience that. And that, that takes a lot of time. And like I said, I I don't have it perfect, right? But I'm working on it. And so I had to do a great deal of healing from that. And to wrap it up, I'll just say that my, well, my relationships with my, with my parents are, are good, are good. I'm really close with my mom. I have a good relationship with my dad. Um, we're all about to, um, my baby sister is going to be giving birth any day now to my first nephew, so their first grandchild. And um, it's been a blessing. It's brought us all together. I can't wait to be an auntie, but just wanted to disclaim that, just let you know where I'm at today. I'm, I'm doing great. You know, I'm doing great. And the lessons that I've learned from all of this, from my story, from my life up until today. Um, and when you're listening to this, I'll be 30 is that forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is the most important piece of the self-love journey of of, of peace to have peace. You must have forgiveness. We must have forgiveness, forgiveness for ourselves, for what we've done in the past, for where we've been, for who we've been, for how we've hurt other people and also forgiveness to others. How we've been hurt. And compassion, compassion, for ourselves, for others. When we know better, we do better, period. When we know consciously, when we are conscious of what's going on, we do better. No matter how much it hurts, this is another lesson, no matter how much it hurts, live in alignment with your truth. We have to live in alignment with our truth. We have to listen to those voices inside the messages our hearts and our bodies and our intuition send us. Because if we don't, we will suffer a greater pain than is necessary and a greater pain than anyone deserves. We will self-sabotage. We will hold ourselves back. Another is that love has no timeline we are deserving of love always and forever and any time. We have to be open to it though. We have to believe that we deserve it. And in order to believe that, we have to look back. We have to we have to become really aware and reflect on our patterns and our behaviors and how we show up in the world and how we show up in our relationships and what our triggers are and, and what our impulses are and What our behaviors say about how we feel about ourselves on the inside. And so this is why when someone says, oh, you're just 30, you're such a baby. No worries. Yes, I know I have a big life ahead of me. Trust me, I know that this healing is not over and that I will experience pain again. I know that for sure. But that make, that that comment makes me tense and tighten up. And I guess from now on, when somebody says that I can just simply pass in the link to this episode. And be like, yeah, I'm such a baby. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this journey and for listening to my story. Like I said in the beginning uh, and a little throughout, I'm nervous to release this episode, this is very raw, real truth of my life, these truths, but this is where I come from this is why i do what i do this was all my path to embodiment to living in my power to living in my truth i'm working on it every day and i know you are too thank you thank you thank you for being here thank you for listening thank you for being a part of my life, of my journey and supporting me. I'm truly grateful. And thank you. (laughs) I can't say it enough. Here's to 30. Here's to limitless decades ahead. Here's to Embracing our story, learning from it, and alchemizing it. Yeah. And cheers. Cheers to Aries season. Let's go. Use our passions to feel us, to move us forward. This is how we change. This is how we move on. This is how we flow with life. Send you all my love. Oh, and if anything, I hope this episode inspires you to be mindful of the things that you say when people mention their age, whether it be you're such a baby or, oh, you still look pretty damn good for being however old you are, right? We live and we learn. When we know better, we do better. Namaste.